Anyway, uh, yeah, so my son, he, uh, he loves digging into those candles. The lotion story is, is a little bit easier for me to tell. Lotion smells good, therefore it tastes good, right? When you're an 18-month-old, that's the logic. And so sure enough, he likes to munch on lotion. Well, we all live these if lives. And a form of this question, it even makes, makes its way into events like the Miss America pageant. Yeah, you know what I mean? If you could see anything happen in your lifetime, what would it be? It's some form of that question makes it into the Miss America pageant. And what's the answer that first comes to mind when you hear that response? That question in the Miss America pageant, what do they say? World peace. World peace. That's exactly right. It's world peace. And, you know, it's not, it's not the worst of answers. But what about you? How would you answer this question? If you could see anything happen in your lifetime... What would it be? Maybe it's something, God's kingdom come. It's a great answer, Dale. There's so many answers that we might give for something like that. Some serious, maybe we can joke around with that one a little bit. But life is full of ifs. It's full of ifs, and it can be really helpful, actually. Ifs can be really helpful. They can help us plan things, right? If, you know, if it's a nine-hour drive to my parents' house in Maryland and I'm driving with my two toddlers, then it's going to take 47 hours to get there. <laughs> so I'm going to plan accordingly. Ifs help us dream. If we can build our care fund at Coburg Alliance to $15,000 a year, we can help meet the needs of at least 15 more people in the community. Ifs help us set healthy boundaries. If I set my last meeting of the day at one hour and I stick to it, then I can be home in time for dinner with the family. Ifs are a big part of life, and ifs are a big part of the Bible. By pastor and author Mark Batterson's count, there are 1,784 ifs in the Bible. 1,784, that's a lot. And they're not all used in the same way, but some of them are connected to promises that God has given if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their lands. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. These ifs, they've got action attached to them. There's something that we do as people. There's a part that people play in the fulfillment of these promises. God guarantees his part. But the fulfillment of God's part's rooted in the completion of ours. We can even find ifs that are hidden in Scripture. At least they're hidden at first, but they become way more obvious the deeper we look. Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's Word, the Bible that we read every week when we gather together, it can guide us. But of course, we have to make use of it. A lamp does no good if we don't use it. So if we want to be guided by God, then we make use of His Word, the Bible. We read it, we listen to it, we memorize His Word, and we let God speak to us through it so that we can let it give light, light rather to the darkness that we can experience in life. Ifs are everywhere, and ifs help give us a vision for the life that's available to us, a life that is possible, a life that God wants 
for us. It's a life free from unrighteousness. It's a life free from slavery to sin, a life confident in the faithfulness of God. It's a life of generosity. We just finished a four-week series all about generosity. It's this life of generosity, of joyful service, of meaningful suffering, of willing sacrifice. And we could go on and on. All of this, it encompasses this life of purpose that God has envisioned for us. And it's all made possible by God himself through Jesus on the cross. The vision is there. The vision is there for us, for anyone. Anyone who wants to see the vision that God has for life, it's right there in Scripture. And every week we gather here on Sundays to add one small part to that vision. Our hope is that each week, that each week we see a little more clearly what God's vision for life is. The vision is there. But the lives that we live, Maybe the lives that we see lived around us, they don't always seem to match that vision, do they? There seems to be a gap there. We might even say that that vision seems impossible at times. There's a gap between the life that I live or the life that I see around me and the vision for life that we find in the Bible. So what gives? Why the gap between life as it is and life as it can be? Why the gap? I think there are a lot of answers to that question. Lots of it. There's no silver bullet answer to that question, but I do think that it helps to explore at least one answer. One answer to that question, to add one piece to this puzzle, to this mystery. What if the difference between God's vision for what life can be and how life actually is, is prayer? Maybe that seems a little bit too simple. Maybe this equation seems too easy. I'm not sure how you feel when you hear something like this, but I'm convinced. Actually, is prayer. Thank you. You know, even if you haven't spent a lick of time in church, maybe this is day one for you. Maybe you're joining us online for the very first time. You might have still heard of the Lord's Prayer. The classic rendition, the one that you may have heard, is this. It's from a bit of an older translation, but here goes. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There it is. It's a prayer from Matthew chapter 6 and from Luke 11. And Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And this prayer is all about turning what life is in all of its brokenness at times. In our brokenness, in our family's brokenness, in the world's brokenness, how life really is into what life can be through prayer. It's about turning dreams into reality. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. John Ortberg says this about this portion of the Lord's Prayer. Many people think our job is to get my afterlife destination taken care of, then tread water till we all get ejected, and God comes back and torches the souls. But Jesus never told anybody, neither his disciples nor us, to pray, get me out of here so I can go up there. His prayer was, make up there come down here. 
make things down here run the way they do up there. The request that thy will be done is God's invitation to join him in making things down here the way they are up there. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what if at least sometimes the difference between God's vision for what life can be and how life actually is, is prayer? What if the equation really is this simple? Life as it is plus prayer equals life as it can be. Maybe you think it's too simple still, and the truth is, with many, as it is with many math equations, it's actually more complex under the surface, right? E equals mc squared. It's, it's a little bit deeper than that, but in the end, it still boils down to that equation. I think that's what this portion of the Lord's Prayer is all about, and actually what most of the Lord's Prayer is all about, bringing into this world what exists in the heavenly realm. So we're going to dig under the surface a little bit more today and in this series, but before we do, there's a vital point that, that I want to make. I want us to remember this when it comes to prayer. Prayer is foundational. But it isn't the only answer to every situation. And before you start throwing tomatoes, let me explain what I mean. In the book of James in the New Testament, we find this really challenging conversation about faith and works. Basically, people justify their lack of doing good toward others by offering them a blessing. They offered them this nice thought, maybe a prayer. In lieu of actually helping to meet their physical needs, they said something nice. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? The point in James, I think, is pretty clear. That faith is incomplete if there's no action. These two things, they're intertwined, and prayer can be the exact same thing when we tell somebody we're going to pray for them, that we have the means to solve the very problem that they've come to us with. We've revealed that our prayers are maybe incomplete. We might have great intentions. We want God to do something for this person, but if we have the means to help and we avoid it, we're just like the person in James whose faith is incomplete. So we said that life as it is plus prayer can equal life as it can be, but also life as it is plus generosity plus good works equals life as it can be. And sometimes our situation looks a little bit more like this. This is maybe more realistic. Life as it is plus prayer plus generosity equals life as it can be. Because sometimes when you pray for someone, you discover that God makes clear to you the next act of generosity that he wants you to follow. I don't know if that's ever happened for you. Sometimes you act generously towards someone and you realize your own limits in actually providing everything that they need. And so God makes it clear to you that it's time to pray. Paul King, he's a part of our church here at Coburg Alliance Church, and he's given me permission to share this story with you. Just a couple weeks ago, he discovered that he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's cancer. It's not what you want. It's not the kind of thing. It's not the kind of news that you want to hear. Not only was he diagnosed with cancer, but uh, they're told that in a couple of months they have to move out of the house that they've been renting for 20 years. 
So it's a tough situation. You can imagine there's this difficulty, obviously, with the cancer, but there's also this added difficulty of having to find a place to stay. And in these market conditions, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy right now. And so they're feeling the weight, and as I sat with them in their living room a couple of weeks ago, it was clear to me that prayer was the next right step. Yes, they need prayer. And our church absolutely has been coming behind them and praying for Paul King and for Mandy. They have three girls. One's in high school, two are kind of university-aged and above. And they need our prayers. But they also need our generosity. And so there are these moments when, as a church, we come alongside people and we offer them the generosity that we can with food cards and gas cards, with other resources, with help maybe moving them from their old house into their new house, whatever we can do to help ease the difficulty that they're going through. If you want to know how to help them, you can come talk to me individually afterward. And I'd love to direct you to the right place. But all of this, the generosity, the prayer, all of that is intertwined. We discover as we sit with them and we pray that we need to be generous. We discover as we're generous that there's a limit. There's a limit to the amount that we might be able to help. So we need to pray more deeply. Life as it is plus prayer plus generosity can equal life as it can be. And life as it can be can a little, be a little bit difficult to swallow. It doesn't mean that it's life exactly as we want it to be. But it might mean that some of the difficulty is eased. It's all intertwined. And so as we explore prayer, we have to locate it within this bigger picture of God's teaching in Scripture. His teaching in Scripture on prayer and generosity or good works and how they're connected. So what is prayer? I've been using this term. You've been thinking about prayer in a certain way as I've shared some of these things, but we haven't actually really defined it yet. So I'm going to give you a simple, what I think is a simple definition. Prayer is this interaction. It's usually verbal or it's written. Sometimes it's even just felt. Sometimes we actually don't know what it is we're saying to God or he's saying to us, but we feel that he's communicating with us. It's an interaction between at least one person and God, each of whom has an independent will. Yeah, anytime you talk to God, you've prayed. And you've talked to a being that has an independent will. You have an independent will, and God has an independent will. And when you pray, your will doesn't always line up with God's will, does it? Not always. So where does that leave you? Where does that leave you when you wrestle with God in these moments? It leaves you with the need to discern different categories of prayer, different types of of prayer, because knowing these categories, it actually helps us gain wisdom as we listen to God and to God's answers. Some prayers are a guarantee. Some prayers are guaranteed. God is already guaranteed the answer to some of our prayers. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to purify us from all unrighteousness. He's guaranteed that. You already know the answer. He's given it to you. We're now free to be in the presence of God. God is free to live inside of us. This has been guaranteed. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. God's already made a decision that anyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord will be saved. You can count on that. You don't have to wonder about that. It's guaranteed. If you want to be purified from unrighteousness, confess your sin, and you'll be purified. It's a guarantee. It's based on God's character. He said it will happen. Some prayers are a possibility. 
Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked God, it's a crazy scene, he asks God that if there's any other way, any other way other than having to suffer and die on the cross, that, that Jesus could follow, that his Father would make it happen. Jesus is reaching out to the Father in this moment for a possibility. But in the end, he did want the Father's will to be done. And that's what he both prayed for and he followed through on. Some prayers are a possibility. Many of our prayers for healing are actually in this category. They're a possibility. Sometimes God heals us on this side of life. We pray, we pray, God answers those prayers. He heals us. Sometimes it's supernaturally. Sometimes it's through natural means. And sometimes we discover that God's healing is only going to come on the other side of this life. It will come, but not yet. Why is it this way? I don't know in every case. We don't fully understand, but this is where God's independent will, his ability to make his own choices, it's where it's so important. And it's a will that I think will become clearer eventually. But we haven't reached that part of the journey yet. In the meantime, when God doesn't answer a prayer for healing on this side of life, prayer can draw us nearer to God. God fills our lives with this peace that's beyond understanding. It's beyond understanding in the midst of suffering, and prayer can connect God's nearness to our suffering. Some prayers are actually an impossibility. Some prayers are impossible. Asking God to manipulate someone is an impossibility. God doesn't force anyone to follow him. He allows people to make their own choices. He affirms their independent will. We might love the people closest to us with all our hearts. We want them to make different choices. We want them to follow God, and we can pray that God would make himself abundantly known through his word and through other people, and maybe even through hardship or through the miraculous, but we can't pray that God would force someone to follow him or force someone to make different choices. Some prayers are an impossibility. The if God, God, if you love me, you will. It's those prayers. We try to force God's hand. If you love me, you'll give me a spouse. If you love me, you'll heal me. If you love me, you'll respect my timeline and my plans and my, you just fill in the blank. If you love me, you will. We try to manipulate God. We try to manipulate his love for us. It's this love that's already been proven on the cross. It's already been demonstrated. And so instead of praying at times, inviting God at times to change us, we demand that God change. We demand that he change his ways. Sometimes this equation, life as it is plus prayer equals life as it can be, sometimes this equation surprises us because we think we know better. We think we know what life as it can be really is, and it's time for us to tell God what's what. And the good news is that through the process of prayer, God actually changes our vision of life as it can be. Maybe life as it can be is a more patient life on our part. It's a submission on our part to God's timeline. Maybe it's this restructuring of what it means to live a fulfilled life. If you spend any amount of time on social media or you've watched streaming content or even you've compared yourself to somebody else off the street, 
you start to shape a vision of the fulfilled life. We all have one. If I have X, then I'll be fulfilled. And maybe through prayer, God wants to reshape that vision for us. He wants to reshape that vision so that it looks like it's more in line with his vision for the fulfilled life. We're fulfilled when we serve, when we give. We're fulfilled when we're less focused on social media's vision or any other vision of the good life, and we're more focused on what God has called us into. If we follow through with prayer, it sometimes results in God reshaping our vision of life as it can be. So that's one reason we pray. But why else? Why should we pray? If God knows it all anyway, if God is actually good, and if God has this independent will, isn't he going to make things happen whether I pray for it or not? Here's one reason that I think God invites us to pray. Because prayer is this way of connecting what we see happening in life to God's action in the world. Prayer helps us see this transformation, and that builds our faith. This life as it is plus prayer equals life as it can be. Praying can help us see this movement from life as it is to life as it can be. It helps us to see the work of God in the world when we remain attentive. If we don't recall our prayers, we may not see God at work. I don't know if you've done this before. I've done this plenty. I pray on a whim. I pray for something. But I sort of dismiss it as maybe God's going to do this, maybe he won't, and I never really stop a day or a week or a month or a year later to see if God's actually answered that prayer. So maybe God has given me a clear answer to a prayer, this better vision for life as it can be. Maybe he's given me a deeper, a vision for deeper meaning in terms of why he's said no to one of my prayers, but I haven't stopped to listen to his answer. When we do keep some record of our prayers, we're better able to see the movement from life as it is to life as it can be, from God's point of view. It helps us to see God's active hand in the world, and when we pray consistently, we're going to discover that prayer can turn coincidence into confidence. Many of you know my story in terms of coming here to Coburg Alliance Church. My wife and I, four, actually, I guess it would have been five years ago now, we're living in Kentucky. And we're living in Kentucky. I'm finishing up grad school. We're trying to discover what's next. Where are we going next? Are we staying in Kentucky? Are we moving somewhere else? Who knows? We began to pray. We began to search. Really, I was kind of the one searching. My, my wife was quite happy to stay in Kentucky. And so I was on the hunt, and we started this interview process here at Coburg Alliance Church. It's a long process. Numerous interviews. I talked to numerous people. We ended up coming out here and visiting for a weekend, and there were starts and stops along the way. We felt like we had a great time. We went home, and interestingly, we didn't feel great about saying no, and we didn't feel great about saying yes. So we didn't know where to go. We didn't know what to do next. We ended up saying no initially, but six weeks later, I cannot get the word Canada out of my heart. It's stuck there. It's stuck. God will not let me let go of the word Canada. And so I'm searching and I'm discovering. Hey, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm searching and I'm discovering what is it that God wants for me at the same time my wife is praying. And a job opened up at the church that we were going to. It was a church plant. It was great. It was booming. And, and the guy that was the lead pastor, that had a great relationship with him. And the job was ideal. My wife could have stayed. 
working at her dream job, and my wife is the one who said, I don't think this is the right choice. I don't think that's the direction we're supposed to be moving in. And so that left us almost back at square one. And I, so I said, God, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. If you want us back in Canada, if you want us at Coburg Alliance Church, they're going to have to reach out to us because I already said no, and I didn't really re- leave room for them to negotiate. It wasn't that kind of conversation. I felt like we were supposed to say no. Well, two days later, I get an, inter- uh, an email from the lead pastor at the time who said, we feel like God has called us to reach out to you one more time. We're about to move forward with another candidate. I said, give me the weekend to pray about it. I don't think I needed the weekend to pray about it. In that moment, I knew. Now, some might call that a coincidence. But when I add up the evidence, everything that happened leading up to those moments, to the entire story, when I think about Emily and I praying separately, both sensing that God was calling us to Coburg, God speaking to the leadership at Coburg Alliance, and the close timing of everything. For me, it turned coincidence into confidence. Confidence that God that was actively at work in the world and in my life in that moment. That's what prayer can do for us. It can turn coincidence into confidence. You know, prayer is still, I don't know if it is for you, but it's still a little bit mysterious to me. I don't get prayer entirely. But I can say that I'm way more confident in prayer as this mechanism for my faith growing, as, as a way for me to draw closer to God, as, a, as this mechanism for change in myself and in the world around me than I was 10 years ago. It's grown for me. My confidence has grown. And if God has instructed us to pray, then we can have confidence, even with the mystery that still remains at times in prayer, from our perspective. That there's this promise connected to the instruction that, that prayer will result in something of value. And I think the uncertainty of the outcome of the prayer that we experience is actually what makes it exciting and powerful. Because prayer puts us in this position of dependence on God's wisdom. And if we're attentive to his response, then our faith is going to grow. So let me gather together a few of the pieces from today a few of the pieces of this puzzle of prayer that we've explored. And then we're going to hear from Ken Sears. Ken is this beloved part of Coburg Alliance Church, and he's come to us eager, maybe a little nervous, about sharing a story of answered prayer. And so in a moment, you're going to hear his story of answered prayer. My hope is that today, and this week, and this month, and this year, that you, you gain a greater confidence in the power of prayer. That prayer actually can take life as it is and turn it into life as it can be because of God's faithfulness and because of God's power. So pray attentively. Remember what you've prayed for so you can discern how God is answering your prayers. He might be answering them directly or he might be helping you see more clearly what life can be. Pray specifically for discernment. So you can know when this equation is at work. This one specifically, when God's calling you to generosity in the midst of prayer, or when God is calling you to prayer in the midst of generosity. And when you pray, remember that some prayers are guaranteed. Some prayers are guaranteed. Some are possibilities. And some are impossibilities. 
Ask for wisdom because wisdom in prayer is knowing the difference between those three categories and trusting in the answer that you receive. And finally, tell others your stories of answered prayer. Because prayer can turn coincidence into confidence, not just for you, but for others. And with that in mind, I want you to check out this story of answered prayer by Ken Sears. Hi, everybody. My name is Ken Sears. I became a Christian in 2011 and started coming to Colbert Alliance Church at that time. I've really um, developed uh, a need for prayer. Um, I find that it calms me and it, it, it assures me when I, when I do go into prayer. Uh, I have a story to tell you about answered prayer. And this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me in my prayer life. A lady that I really didn't know was uh, asking for prayer for her son who had cancer. And this was a very serious cancer, the type that Terry Fox had uh, and died from. Her son had the same type of cancer in his leg and they were about to amputate it. And he begged his mom not to let them amputate. So she agreed with him and she put out a prayer request to everybody she could think of. And it, it came across my computer, and I, uh, I, I wrote her and said I would, I would pray for her, and I would try and get a few people from our church to pray for her. And at one point in time, about two years ago, she said, this is a very critical time, and we don't know if anything's going to help. So I went into prayer, and I was really concentrating on my prayer, and I heard a voice in my mind, in my head, I call it God speaking to me for a moment, and he said, I've got this, Ken. And I said to myself, I've got this, Ken. I wonder, am I really hearing this or am I making it up? But I wrote her and I said, I think you can relax a little bit because I think said, I think I heard God say, I've got this. And wouldn't you know it, about uh, three months later, her, her son, was diagnosed as being cancer-free. So it blew me away. And I, I know that God played a part, a major part in his recovery. He's, um, he's walking, he's, to, he's doing all the normal things a young teenage boy would do. And that's my story. It, it, it's, a, it's just amazing how when we listen for God's answer, sometimes he just tells us that he's going to take care of it. Ken, how has that story um, affected your prayer life going forward? Well, it's enthused me. I'm, I'm really, uh, I don't think I'm any special prayer warrior, but I, I do know that um, uh, from the people that I uh, associate with at church, we do pray a lot, and uh, it's enthused me to, to continue uh, and to be more assured that God is listening to every time I, I get down on my knees. I'm not alone. It's a great story, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing to hear God at work in the life of people and through prayer. And in these moments, I think God can shape us and turn coincidence into confidence. 
I know that's the case for Ken, and I know that's probably the case for many of you as you've prayed and you've seen God answer prayer. I'm going to pray here in just a moment. I would invite you to join me, and the worship team, you, you can come on up as I pray. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can gather, that we can reflect on prayer. We can reflect on the teaching that you've given us in the Lord's Prayer, that through prayer, we're inviting change. We're inviting change in our lives. We're inviting change in the world around us. God, we invite you to help us see more clearly that life as it is plus prayer equals life as it can be. Help us to catch this vision for what life can be and to pray into that. God, for those who are here who need your prayers, or the answer to prayer, rather, I I would invite you to answer their prayers. God, give them the strength and the courage that they need, the faith that they need to keep asking and to keep listening. Give us all the wisdom that we need to hear the answer that you want to give us and turn coincidence into confidence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.